Welcome back to How Do You Feel, where we talk about how we feel, how we felt, or what we hope to be feeling. My name is Haley Rhodes, and I'm the host of this podcast. Join me as we break the stigma of mental health journeys. If you are someone that struggles with mental health, this podcast is not a substitution for professional advice. This avenue is for sharing stories, and we encourage everyone to seek help from professional resources when needed. We've made it to our next episode of How Do You Feel, a podcast all about making space for our mental health stories and raising up each other for the willingness to share, something that can be super hard to do. As you've heard me say, I think that the way we share stories opens up a new standard in which we can own our brain. It makes a space where we can feel less alone in our experiences. I don't know about you, but I know that some of these stories may be challenging to hear, but it's actually been such a gift to participate in them, hear individual experiences, and learn. And today, we're doing it again. Ellie Decker is our guest on today's podcast. She is a psychology major at the University of Iowa. She has plans to pursue a PhD in clinical psychology after she finishes her undergraduate degree in December. Ellie actually transferred to the University of Iowa in 2019 after spending two years at St. Ambrose studying music education. Ellie was diagnosed with ADHD last fall, and she's here to talk to us a little bit about her firsthand experience with how ADHD can go unnoticed in girls especially in kids who are gifted or talented from a young age. She hopes to use her degree in which she can help children and adolescents with ADHD and other mental disorders in the future. I decided that to get our interview started, I wanted to hear a little bit more about Ellie's childhood experiences. I was born in Waterloo, Iowa, and then I moved to Dubuque when I was really young, so I mostly grew up there. Um, I have an older sister and a younger brother. Um, I have really great parents. Um, My parents were really busy when I was growing up, and my mom went back to college when I was young, and then she graduated with her nursing degree when I was in middle school. Um, So I also, I loved music from a really young age, um, and then I ended up going to St. Ambrose University to major in music education, and I loved it there, and I loved the faculty, Um, but after a couple years, I started to realize that music was becoming more of a responsibility, and it felt more like work rather than something I enjoyed. Um, It kind of turned into, I had previously used music to relieve stress, and it was like a fun thing for me, and now it was that music was kind of becoming part of my stress. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And then I I ended up transferring to the University of Iowa, mostly for financial reasons. Um, but then I also changed my major to psychology. And now I will be graduating in December and applying for PhD programs for clinical psych. So yeah, that's me. Exciting. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your childhood? I know you mentioned that you have um, kind of busy parents and two siblings. What did your childhood look like for you? And maybe how did that um, contribute to maybe some of your mental health battles? Or when was it that you kind of started realizing that you were experiencing some things? Well, so I actually didn't really realize that it was um, 
so I have ADHD, right? Um, but I wasn't diagnosed until just a few months ago. Oh. But looking back now, I can see how it did affect my childhood. Um, so really, really early in school, I was labeled as like one of the talented and gifted kids, which is great. You know, it means yeah. I got some extra attention in school. And like, I really think it helped me be successful. But I also think it kind of covered up my ADHD. Um, you know, because people would say things like, oh, she just she doesn't focus in class because she's bored because she already understands all this stuff. And, you know, it little Ellie, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I'm just bored because I don't want to learn about this. I want to learn cooler things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I got to maybe middle school or high school and my classes got a little harder and we were learning interesting things in like the regular classes. And I would still like lose focus in class after like 10 minutes. So <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe it's not just that. And um, it honestly, it kind of affected my self-esteem too. Cause it was like, you know, from a really young age, I had this like identity of being a smart kid. Yeah. And then when things got more challenging for me, it was, it kind of like disrupted that identity that I had for myself. So, and then also, I just, I noticed that I was, it seemed like I was working so much harder than the people around me, but still like falling behind Oh, because yeah. of yeah. like, it would take me probably two hours to just like focus and do an assignment that other people would get done in like 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, that just like, it really messed with me because I thought it was some kind of like personal failure that I was like procrastinating too much and yeah. But yeah. I mean, I think like we can all probably like relate to that feeling of like, oh, we're taking a test and someone like finishes before we do. And then we're like, oh, shoot. Like, did I do something mm -hmm. wrong? Like, am I overthinking this? And like that, I feel like that always happens to me. And then that kind of like derails me a little bit. Like, I just feel like, oh, no, I've probably done this all wrong and like go down this path of like, uh oh, not good. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually, because I I've never had problems with like taking tests in like re restrained amount of times and yeah. I know that's a thing that lots of people with ADHD do struggle with but something that I struggle with a lot more is something that has like when I'm, there's looser timelines like there's still a deadline but I just but really you have time to get there yeah I just I really struggle with deadlines <laughs> yeah that's interesting so, so when was it that you realized that you were really like struggling? I know you said like high school was when you were like, oh, maybe this isn't normal. How did it like, how did you become more aware of it? And did you originally think that it was like something else? Um, honestly, for, so what, the way ADHD worked for me, I guess, was that it mostly it impacted me in other ways that I thought maybe it was like depression or anxiety because it did affect my self-esteem so much in high school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I procrastinated and that made me anxious. And then, you know, I felt like honestly depressed because I was falling so far behind and I felt like there was something wrong with me that was just like, a personality flaw it, I, it didn't occur to me that it was like an actual disorder that I had oh interesting yeah and so when you finally were diagnosed what was that process kind of like for you was it kind of hard to hear that or was it um like 
was it kind of like an aha moment of like, finally, I have like an explanation for some of the things I've been experiencing? Um, It was a little bit of both. So what happened actually was that my sister had just been diagnosed with ADHD a couple months before me. Mm-hmm. And then um, in one of my classes, we were learning about ADHD because I'm a psych major. And there was just a lot of pieces that I re- were really fitting together. I was like, this sounds like my life. Yeah. So I like finally I made an effort to go see someone and talk to about it, talk to someone about it, because I had actually never been to a therapist or a psychiatrist at all before, which seems silly being a psych major. But um, so I finally did it. And she was like, yeah, it's you have ADHD. You've probably had it for a while. Um, Technically, it's like adult onset since we're diagnosing it now. But yeah. yeah. And it was honestly, I was really scared to start the medication, but um, like just relieved to finally be like, oh, this is why my brain does these ridiculous things that I like can't really control. Yeah. So it was nice to know that it wasn't like something wrong with me. It was just my brain. As you discovered that and kind of got diagnosed with that, was it like, did you find yourself sharing a lot of it? Um, I know like in the past I've kind of like had experiences where I've like wanted to share a lot of what I've experienced and then also like, times where I've been like, I don't want anyone to know. Was it something that you like found yourself talking with friends about or even like family? Or was it something you just kind of like kept to yourself? Um, If I'm being honest, I probably talked to my friends about it more than I talked to my family about it. Yeah. Um, Just because I I don't know, I find it easier to be like, oh, yeah, my silly brain did this thing. Just like, you know, how friends talk, I guess. Um. But it it was honestly a little bit harder to tell my family because part of me was like, honestly, a little bit bitter that I went so long through my childhood and like nobody knew that this was going on. Um, And like, obviously, it's just I'm so ADHD is super undiagnosed in girls, like Mm underdiagnosed. And so like, it's really nobody's fault. You know, it's just kind of hard knowing that I had it all that time and didn't know. Yeah, I really relate to that. Like, like knowing that you were rep- like showing signs and just feeling like they were never like mm-hmm. never explored. And then like the frustration that kind of comes with that. Yeah, that I definitely relate to that. Do you feel like you're still kind of comparing yourself to maybe even like your friends or kind of like having those times where you feel like down about your self-worth just because of like the way that your brain is working or like how does that look like for you now? Um, honestly, the medication has helped a lot. I like I'm doing much better in my classes. And um, I guess there's not there's just not as much comparison to do because classes, they're not really in person at Iowa right now. I have one in person class every other week. Sometimes it seems like my roommates aren't doing homework as late at night or as long as I am. Um, But it's it's just not really a comparison because we're different majors, too. So yeah, that does make it, I guess, a little bit easier in that sense of like everyone's kind of doing their own thing, doing different mm-hmm. things. So it's not doesn't feel as isolating then. Um, I'm interested in hearing a little bit more about your psychology major and kind of like what inspired you to go into that. Um, how was that switch from music to psychology and what kind of inspired you to do that? 
honestly, part of the ADHD is impulsivity. Um, (laughs) But I honestly think that the impulsivity has helped me make some of the best choices I've made in my life. Um, And honestly, I knew I needed to not be a music major anymore because it was just it had taken, like I said, it had taken what my stress reliever used to be, and it made it one of my stressors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I didn't, I couldn't keep going in that direction. Um, and I actually, I lost someone to suicide um, in 2019. Um, and I just, like, I felt called, really, to go do something about that and do better. Yeah, then I came here and switched my major to psychology. And are you happy with the switch? Do you like it? Yeah, definitely one of the best impulsive things I've ever done. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going on to do, well, assuming I get in somewhere, I'll be going on to do PhD programs in the fall of 2022. So, um, yeah, I'm about to spend six more years doing it, so I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah, I guess you have to like that quite a bit. What's your end goal with psychology? What's what's your hope after finishing those doctoral programs? Um, I definitely want to work with children and adolescents. I'm not sure exactly what type of disorders I'm going to specialize in, um, like during the research and stuff for my PhD, but definitely I want to work with kids and adolescents. So I know you said that music was a stressor for you. Has that changed since you've switched your major? And how has that kind of helped you at all? I know we went to high school together and a a large part of high school we spent together doing musicals and a lot of music based Mm -hmm. things. So um, I know at some point or at least I hope at some point you enjoyed those things. What is that like kind of change from you switching from psychology? Has that helped you at all? Yeah, definitely. Um, When I first came to Iowa, one of the, so I was in the choir here right away. And I, I always enjoyed choir, even when I was at Ambrose, that part never really felt like work. Um, So it was just really nice to have that like kind of consistency after I transferred here. It was like, okay, I still have choir twice a week um, or I can kind of just take a break from all the school stuff. Yeah. Um. And then, you know, COVID happened and choir went away. And I I found that I was spending a lot more time like at my piano and just like making music for fun. And I really think even though I changed my major, I think I spend just as much time doing music as I did when I was a music major. It's just a lot more fun now. Um, I know you mentioned that your sister also was diagnosed with ADHD. How has that like have you found that your relationship has changed since you both have like discovered that maybe you've like bonded a little bit better over some of your experiences? What does that look like for both of you or has it not changed at all? We've just, we've always had a really close relationship and uh, we're roommates this year too, actually. Um, But yeah, I feel like it didn't necessarily change our relationship that much just because we've always talked about everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it is really interesting that we kind of compare notes almost that like it does impact us in different ways and we kind of have different symptoms of it, I guess. But there's definitely a lot of overlap that's really similar. Yeah, that is super interesting. And um, your younger brother, does he like 
is does he participate in a lot of these conversations as well or what does that what does it kind of look like for him um not as much just because he still lives in Dubuque um but yeah we still talk to him a lot and he's great he's just not here (laughs) he might eventually though he might be coming to Iowa in the next couple years oh that's nice um, and then um, I'm also interested to hear about your parents. I know that you said your parents are pretty busy and your mom went back to school. Are you like able, do you feel like to talk to them about these kind of things and have these kind of conversations with them? Um, maybe about like things that are a lot harder for you or even just like talking about your diagnosis? Um, so yes and no. We've never really, like my family's never really had problems talking about the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Um it's mostly, honestly, the reason I don't talk to them about it that much is just like me. And I'm just, I'm in a place in my life where I feel like I want to be handling things by myself. So I, I guess I don't necessarily talk to my parents about it so much, but I like, I do talk to my sister and my roommates and like that kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like we're definitely like at the age now where it's like, it feels like a constant battle almost for me. Like, do I want to talk to my parents about this? You know, like, and not in a secretive way, but just like, oh, like, I'm a, you know, I'm a big kid now. Like, I can do this just on my own without having conversations about it. It's a weird, weird time. Yeah. Well, and it's also like, I only go home every so often. And I don't, like, I want to go home and have fun, you know, yeah. and have some quality time with my family, not kind of bring the mood down I guess not that that would necessarily be a bad thing it's just it's not what I go home to do it's not the focus yeah mm-hmm. um while we're like kind of talking about adulthood that just um made me think has it been hard for you with like increased independence as you get older to kind of find like find pinpoints of like things that like you have to do like laundry or dishes or even like like certain things that you have to do, has that become harder as you've gotten more independence? Yeah, definitely. Um, there was there was one point this fall, it was like a couple weeks before I got my diagnosis and started my medication that my room was just, it was disgusting, if I'm being honest. Like yeah. I had laundry piled up. I had like dishes, dirty dishes piled up next to my desk because I would sit there and do my homework and it would take way too long and I would eat and like eat my dinner while I was doing my homework and it was just it was gross and literally the first day that I took my medication I cleaned my whole room and it was like it it was such like it was a small thing but it was a really big thing because it had gotten so bad and it was just like it was just like this magic little medication fixed my brain and suddenly I could clean my room like a normal person and that was like so crazy to me that that's all it took yeah that's like something that I'd been putting off for like a month yeah it's like one of my favorite things almost like weirdly when talking about like mental health things is how like the little things are such big things and like Mm -hmm. to me like that's it's weird um especially to people who don't understand but I really think that that's like a beautiful thing like yeah, cleaning your room may not be a big thing to some people, but like that can be a really big step in the right direction or even just like getting out of bed or like in my circumstance, like eating a snack, like those kind of things mm-hmm. are like can make a huge difference, even though like at at the face level, it just looks so small. 
So how have you learned to kind of cope with your struggles? Like I know that you, you've mentioned medication quite a bit. Has that kind of like the primary thing that you feel like you use to cope with like some of your struggles? Like those are, that is what's helping you? Or do you find that there are like other things that you do if you're like having a hard day or um, even like little things like we just said that maybe get you through your day a little bit better? Um, so one of the most important things with ADHD is just like staying organized just because like I, I lose my focus so quickly, even Mm -hmm. with my medication that, I mean, it helps a lot, but you know, it's not perfect. My brain is still, yeah. So I just, um, like I have to-do lists everywhere. I have like my calendar with all my stuff to do. And then I have um, notifications set up in my phone because I always have my phone on me just like I mean I even during like finals week I have to set reminders to tell myself to like eat yeah <laughs> because I just I get so busy um, and if I if I don't have that reminder like I honestly might forget um, but yeah and then the other thing is my sleep schedule um, I basically I just had to accept the fact that I'm not a morning person. Um, <laughs> and and part of that might be like just that my circadian rhythm was off. But yeah. I think part of it is honestly that I procrastinate going to sleep at night. Oh, and interesting. then it's harder to get up in the morning. So I just like um, stopped scheduling stuff early in the morning. The earliest thing I have is that once a week I have a 930 class. Um, but that's, you know, that's not too bad. And it's only once a week, but just like letting myself sleep in, I've actually been a lot more productive, like later in the day, like early afternoon. Um, Cause like when I force myself to get up early, when I haven't gotten enough sleep, then it's just, I'm tired all day. Yeah. That's interesting. And do you feel like that is something that like has been easy to adjust to? Like scheduling things differently or like making kind of conscious choices to allow yourself that sleep do you feel like that's been an easy thing to do for you well yes and no um I like I came to that realization about you know my sleep schedule and just like ADHD in general right around the time last semester that I was registering for classes for this semester Mm -hmm. so I, I made those changes for this semester um but I still had to get through the rest of you know the fall semester um so yeah it was kind of a struggle honestly because I'd like I just I can't really help it the staying up late like I've definitely tried but you know when I try to go to bed early I just lay in bed awake so that's like the worst doesn't really work yeah (laughs) I hate that And then um, being someone that was diagnosed kind of a little bit later on in life, what what things do you wish you would have known? Or even as you kind of were learning about the things, what um, about ADHD? What what did you wish you would have known that would have helped you in the long run um, to kind of just be a little bit more successful or have a little bit easier of a time? Um, Honestly, I think it would have helped to if I had known I had ADHD earlier, Um, but I I think it's important, like it would have helped me to know this, and it's important for people in general to know this, Mm -hmm. just that ADHD is very underdiagnosed in girls. I mean, even like kind of the questionnaires that they give parents when they bring in their kid and they're like, oh, I think my kid might have ADHD or something. Um, 
the questions are like very geared towards boys. Like they'll ask, oh, interesting. Um, like they'll ask the kids playing style. Like, you know, how do you play with your toys? Mm-hmm. Except it'll say things like how you play with your trucks or like your action figures. Oh, And it's, it's because a lot of the research has been done in boys because they initially thought that it was a, a little boy thing. Um, but it's not. And then, um, and on top of that, ADHD in adults is under research too, because it's, it's definitely seen as like a childhood disorder. Um, but most, not necessarily most people, but a lot of people like still have it as adults, especially if it's not treated from a young age. And this is something I'm not even aware of. Will you ever reach a point where you don't have ADHD or is it something that like you'll have forever, but you may just be able to manage it differently? Probably the second one. The reason it kind of goes away for some kids is that is that's mostly through the therapy, not okay. necessarily the magic the medication. Because um, you know they teach them, it's like cognitive behavioral therapy, basically that they teach them good habits to like stay on top of the organization and basically just get yourself to focus. Um, but without having that therapy and that like training, basically from a young age. Um, it's like my habits at this point are already set in stone. That kind of therapy doesn't really work as well for adults. Yeah. It works better for young children. Um, so, and and like, I think I have decent organization habits, but like I'll probably have ADHD forever. Oh, that's so interesting. But it's good that you like have ways to kind of deal with it and know like that you have a good support with your family and friends and even your sister who's like sharing some of those same experiences as well. Yeah. And I, I also, I won't necessarily need the medication forever. So that's good that, you know, I can use these other habits and stuff that, you know, cause I, I really can't be on medication forever either just because it, it does things like raise my blood pressure and stuff like that, that yeah. once I'm like old, it will be a problem. So Yeah, that was something super interesting to me when I was like dealing with my anxiety and kind of like getting on medication for that was that so many of the like mental health medicines, let's say, are related to blood pressure. Like they're like blood pressure medicines, which I thought was Mm -hmm. super interesting. Um, Yeah, that was like a big learning curve for me. I just I still don't really understand that. It's confusing. Well, actually, if you if you don't mind me nerding out. Oh, I would love to have you do that. Um, a lot of psychotropic medications were discovered because they tried to use them for other things. And one of the other things that they really commonly tried to use them for was like blood pressure. And so they would try to treat these patients for their blood pressure and they would notice major, major changes in like their mood or their mental state basically. And they were like, Oh, so this might work for that. And then, you know, they would, do the study again but do it for you know anxiety or depression or like some other mental disorder and see how it worked on that and basically that's how they discovered that these medications work but initially they were trying to use them for blood pressure or something else dang that is so interesting yeah I've always like wondered that every medicine I've gotten has always been related to blood pressure 
And of course, at a time where I was like pretty malnourished, that was not really great for my body. Like mm-hmm. I could not handle that. And so I never understood. I was like, isn't there like a medicine that's not connected to this? This seems silly to me. The last thing I would love to hear from you is part of our podcast at the end of each episode. I'm going to share some resources or just like maybe like a tip or something. And now that I have guests on the show, I'd like to maybe connect that to whatever that person uses or anything like that. Do you have any like applications or even like educational resources that you commonly find yourself using, whether it's like um, a resource for mental health, just kind of like if you're having an off day or not feeling good or um, to learn about mental health or even just like something that may not even be directly tied to your help. I know you talked about like organization, things like that. Um, Are there anything that you use that you would suggest or recommend to other people? Um, really the organization thing, I, I use that every day. I just use Google calendar mm-hmm. and it, it, you know, gives me a notification when I have something coming up or if I have a reminder or something. Um, but other than that, I also really love doing like self-care check-ins just because that is something that I will just forget to do is just yeah. like take care of myself. Um, and there, I mean, those are everywhere. Like if you just Google self-care checklists, like so many pop up and it's like, you don't have to do everything that's on the checklist, but figure out which ones are actually important for you to do that day and just make sure you do them, you know, like yeah, brushing your teeth and drinking water and like super basic things like that or like more complicated self-care things. Like if you need to take time to meditate or, you know, work out, be social, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I like that idea of having like a checklist and it's something that you can just like recreate when you need to and just kind of Mm -hmm. fill out the boxes I do like that a lot ADHD is definitely a topic that I did not know much about and I'm really thankful to Ellie for coming on and teaching us some things and giving us some of her experiences We know that these things can be pretty difficult to share or even talk about, but I'm really grateful for Ellie's willingness to share and also the passion that she shares to kind of make a difference in the future with mental disorders. This is what How Do You Feel is all about. Creating a space, learning, cultivating experiences, and I'm really grateful for wonderful individuals like Ellie for making this happen. Thanks to Ellie, I think our resource of the day should be all about organization and how that can kind of attribute positive ways to our mental health. Personally, I like how she mentioned um, Google Calendar because that is something I live by religiously. Planning stuff out for me is always a huge help with my mental health. Just having a schedule and some regulation in our day can provide some really beneficial impacts. So I do suggest checking out Google Calendar. Um, I think that that is a great tool because it's on your phone and you can have it on multiple devices. I used to be a strictly paper planner kind of gal. I loved having different colors for everything that I wrote down. And even just writing kind of helped me remember things a little bit better. But personally, the mobility of having Google Calendar or a planner app on my phone was really beneficial because when I'm out and about and need to add things to my calendar, I don't have to wait or I don't even risk forgetting about them. So I definitely recommend checking into that. 
I also really liked the idea of just kind of creating a to-do list of things that are helpful for everyone to do. This could be a simple paper planner to-do list of things like take a shower, eat a meal, um, go for a walk, maybe even like spend time playing a game. Simple things that we can add to our list that are all about caring for ourselves. There are plenty of apps that you can find that will probably work a little bit better for you than me personally recommending one, but this is one area that I always have on paper. And I'm actually a huge fan of post-it notes. Um, I feel like a lot of people don't often use those nowadays, but I'm constantly sticking post-it notes all over my walls or even just like in my bathroom that say like, hey, like take a break or sit down for a second. Just like some really helpful reminders to get us through our days and recommend us to or remind us to take care of ourselves a little bit better. Thanks to Ellie for those resources. I think that even though they're simple, they are huge helpful reminders that can make our days go a little bit smoother, which in turn can help us feel a little bit better mentally, a little bit more put together. We can all use that for sure. Thank you for joining How Do You Feel? I'd like to wrap up again with our closing statement that you are loved, your story is valid, and you are deserving of a healthy dream. I learned so much today, and I am going to put some educational resources in our podcast notes. If you're looking for some more reading or some information on ADHD online, And check back next week for our next guest, which is Jamie. She is a young mom who's going to talk to us about her experience as a mother and um, experiences with COVID-19 and social media. Thank you for joining How Do You Feel?